Welcome to the Mindset Coach Academy podcast. I'm Lindsay Wilson, and I am a high-performance mindset coach, a mom, a former professional athlete, and an entrepreneur. I help coaches and high performers optimize their mindset to improve their coaching, their performance, and those of their athletes, and their lives. Here, you'll learn all about mindset, how to live it, how to teach it, and how to sell it. All right. Welcome to Mindset Coach Academy podcast. Today we have Courtney Thompson. Hi, Courtney. Hey, good to see you. Nice to see you as well. All right. So as we just talked, we're going to be talking about regret. We just did this in our Mindset Coaching Collective call. I've worked on it a lot with my students. I have done the work with them. And then I contacted Courtney and (laughs) I said, I am thinking, right? I wanted to make give myself an out. <laughs> I, I said, I am thinking of doing this live on the podcast. And that is talking about my regret and working through it really live. And I wanted somebody that I trusted and I didn't want to do it alone. And I knew you would hold that space for me. So thank you for I feel honored <laughs> and I I respect this process and doing it so you can help others bring them along as well. So I'm excited to be in this with you. Yeah. We're always trying to model it, right? And that's a lot of people are listening to this too. It's like, we can't ask our kids or our students or our athletes or people that we lead to do this stuff if we don't. And I always try to live by that. And sometimes it's better than others, but I will tell you that I know that this is the right thing to do because I absolutely freaking do not want to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, I sent you the calendar invite and then I wasn't sure, like we hadn't really connected for a little while and I wasn't sure if we were really on and there was definitely a part of me was like, well, she might not show up. So then like, you know, maybe we'll do it again in the future, but like I can punt it off a little bit. Right. But it's like, I might, I'm thinking about running tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll do that 5k. You know, I don't know. We'll see. So we're here. And The process that we're going to go through that you are going to basically take me through, you're basically coaching me today. And that is from the book, The Power of Regret. And it's a three-part process to basically get power from things that you regret, you know, things that you used to sort of use as, or think of as a weakness or, you know, spend a lot of emotional energy. And I think the power of story and the power of being able to bring these things to the surface. It's almost like our shame, right? Like the things that we feel like, and I know for a lot of my coaching students, a lot of it is like the thing that we think disqualifies us, you know, that thing that we don't want to share because if we feel like if anybody knew about it, they wouldn't want to work with us or they wouldn't want to be led by us or they wouldn't respect us. And so often not that this is the purpose, but so often we respect people more and nobody comes out of this life unscathed, right? And nobody comes out without having done some stupid shit. So I think that's kind of where I'm coming from. But this process, one step one, and we'll go over this process multiple times, but this is from the power of regret is self-disclosure, which is what we're doing today. Being able to talk about the thing that you regret gives enormous power and really takes power away from that thing that you know, maybe cost you a lot uh, as far as emotional energy. Step two is self-compassion, which is what you're going to take me through. And step three is self-distancing, which is analyze and strategize. So here we go. 
And I'm nervous. I have to say, I don't get nervous for I'm, speaking in podcasts. Everyone watching, we got on and Lindsay's like, I'm a little nervous. And I just shaky. got so excited. because I was like, oh. Well, as we say, nervousness and excitement, kind of two things, two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm also not in the hot seat, but I do. I had a friend going through a hard time in their personal life who was in a position of leadership. And he was sharing with me that like, I just feel so bad. Like I can't lead anymore. Like who's going to, who's going to, and I just had so much compassion for that because it's exactly right. What you said, like it keeps us stuck and we don't have to be perfect to be great influencers. It is this like rawness and honesty. And just the fact that you're in it together with people coming from Mm -hmm. the right place, I think is what it's all about. So that being said, again, I'm, I'm, I respect this and I'm happy to be here. Oh, thanks, Corey. Yeah, we did this again in our in our Mindset Coaching Collective, which is our new coaching program that's that's opening probably by the time people listen to this podcast or maybe even before. But we talked about it and then people shared like really heartfelt things, like really emotional things. And I think I had gone first. I, I, I really tried to at least, but it just reminded me like we all have them, right? And the thing that you think is the most shameful part of your past, it's so much easier for someone else to look at it and with compassion and say, oh, well, you're young or we all make mistakes or whatever. But to do that for yourself, I think takes a lot of bravery. And anyway, I think that there's a lot of power in bringing it to the surface and I'm babbling on because I don't want to get to it, but I will say Stay in your head about it, Lindsay. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still thinking about sharing. No, I'm going to do it because we go first, right? We hold the mirror up and we work on ourselves. So let's do it. Right. Okay. Step one is relive and relieve. Yes. Self-disclosure. Yes. So every time I tell the story, I do feel like it's a little bit lighter, but it's also something that for a long, long time, I didn't really share with anybody. And it was that I had a relationship with my coach when I was 17 years old and he was over 40. And the interesting thing about what I feel most regretful for is not necessarily what happened physically. It was more that other people were hurt. So essentially what happened was I was part of, and I look back now and it was basically a cult. (laughs) It was a team, which, you know, culture and cult, very similar, you know, there's, it's a fine line. And essentially my coach was physically intimate with multiple people within the team. And even when I found out about it, I just sort of thought of myself. I didn't really worry about other people. I didn't, I felt like I was in control, which I think was probably an illusion that he allowed me to feel, but I didn't really look at it from other people's perspective that there were other girls involved that maybe didn't feel that great about the situation or maybe were coerced or maybe you know, didn't have a great family life. And I didn't have that awareness at that age to know that I was, or I feel when I look back that I was normalizing it. I was the best player on the team. I was the star. I was the one going to play at a big university. And I think I, nothing was ever said out loud, but I think I allowed the situation, a lot of very inappropriate things 
happening. I think I normalized it. I made it okay. And people were hurt. And that it's not necessarily that I regret so much of what I did. I mean, I do that too, but that's not really the big regret. The big regret was that other people were involved. And then I lied for him. So he ended up going to jail and I lied for years and years. I tried to protect him and my goals were also wrapped up in it. So he was the person that got me to the next, well, see, I would say that he does not, he was the person that helped me get myself to the next level. And I wasn't sure that I could do it without him. He was also, this is a little twist of irony. He was the one that taught me mindset. So I also look at my career now and I think, would I have learned all this stuff without him? And would, and I also feel super guilty because I'm like, would I change anything? People got hurt. And there's a part of me that says, yeah, but I got to play it at, at, in college. I got to play professionally and now I have a business. So I feel super shitty. I'm like, am I a terrible person for thinking that way? And so there's like all these layers that years I lied for him. Years I would deny, deny, deny. I never got on the stand. He went, I think I told you, he went to, he went to jail. Did I tell you that already? He went to jail and I lied for him. I totally believed that I had drank the Kool-Aid and I totally believed that he had like our, our best interest. And I think what's also really hard is, and this is probably true for so many people that have been involved in any kind of like intimate abuse, right? Where there was a good side of them too, right? And so my mind goes and it gets real sort of jumbled because I want to put it in this neat little box of like, he's this terrible person. And yet there was also these wonderful things that I gained from him. Like, and I, and I, and I feel bad about that. Like, why can't I just think of all the bad things, you know? But then I'm also really grateful. Oh my God. It's like, it's got to total mind F, right? Yeah. It's, and I think it's confusing to like grieve or move through because it, there's so much duality in all of it. I think most, most painful experiences, there's, it's not just one thing. No. As much as as humans, we like to do that. So yeah, that, I totally get that. Yeah. So it, it was just, uh, yeah. And then I, I, I feel bad sometimes for not feeling bad. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like, mm-hmm. am, am I just still sort of thinking in the way like the brainwashed kind of like or am I getting that sort of distance of like this was the good part of it and that's it's okay for there had to have been some good part of it and this was the the shitty part of it and that's not my fault but that is that's because I I was old enough to know better and you know I hold myself to high standards so I have this idea that at 17, what the, and I had some boundaries. Like I, there were, there were limits to what I would do. I mean, I I remember very specifically holding those lines, but there was a lot of, like I said, like brainwashing. And, and, and I think I look back and I think, well, he was really smart. (laughs) Like there was like, this was a little bit inappropriate, but we let that slide. And then there was a little bit more of inappropriate and we all let that slide. And then there was a little bit more. And again, I think if it had just been me, I wouldn't be so conflicted about it. But there were other people that I think weren't in a really great space in their life that got wrapped up and had a relationship with them too. And at the time, I just didn't, 
I didn't even, I can't even say that I really cared. Yeah. I was like, we're all making our own decisions. Yeah. You know, because that's how I felt for myself. I was like, I'm mm-hmm. 17. You know, like that's so old. I'm making my own decision. So she's probably making her own decision. Yeah. But I, but now I look back and I think, yeah, but she was also looking to me. Yeah. You know, and, and I was normalizing this bricked up behavior. Yeah. And then I was lying for him because I believed that of the, in the goodness yeah. that there were, and there was some good and that's okay too. And so it's, it's kind of a mind F is what totally. it is. Totally. That line of perspective and being really disorienting and being like, am I, how far from normal am I? Or like how far from normal, like perspective am I? And that that's a tough word to use, yeah, but I, then, I feel that for sure. Well then, and then I, and then you kind of justify it, right? Because yeah. your dream, when your dreams and you're that driven. So he was playing on off my drive too, you know, like yeah. when you want to get to the next level, excuse yeah. me, like, you know, and you, you look past some things and, yeah. and I don't like that part of me either. You know, that that's, that's a shameful part of like, I was willing and maybe I'm still willing. That's the other part that I I look at myself and I'm like, would I change anything? You know, I like to think that I would, but again, I play so many of my goals were wrapped up in this situation. Yeah. You know, my playing in college, playing professionally. And again, now my, my business and, you know, in the retrospect, you can say, well, it wasn't, it was you. But at the time, that's not how it felt at all. Yeah. And Which that was also like part of the age. Though. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there's this huge yeah. power dynamic and you have my big, huge goals yeah. that until I was in this situation were not obtainable at all. Yeah. They really weren't. Yeah. And then, and wow. then they were. Yeah. And so, yeah. Thank you for, thank you for sharing that. Oh yeah. It's, yeah, it's a lot. If you're open to it. Can you share a few examples of when ruminating on this got in your way? Like I'm imagining like there were nights when you couldn't sleep or when you saw your teammates and felt triggered. Like how did this kind of show, pop up for you? It's a, it's a really good question because I think <clears throat> it's a little bit more of like a, a low level, mm-hmm. like a, a, almost like a, a hum or like yep. a nagging, you know, it's not, you know, I don't think that like I have a great marriage. I don't think that because I don't feel and I don't think of this situation as like something as like concrete as like sexual abuse, for example. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people I think would look at it and say that, but I don't know that I necessarily, I feel like I still had some, some power in that situation. So I don't think it's in this, some like neat little category where it's really affected like my relationships, for example, Mm -hmm. I think it's a guilt. I think it's a low level like, and I don't think that I'm a terrible person, but I do look back and there is a sense of me as like, you know, you, you, in, in, in some ways it's like, I feel like I use people it, and it, and it, and it, but it wasn't, I know that it wasn't intellectually. I know that it wasn't me, Yeah, but I feel complicit. I guess that's the best way. And so I, I don't know if I have specific examples so much as like this low level. And then I, I think there's a lot of the, like I said, it's just like the mind F of like, can good and evil exist in the same person? Why isn't this in some like neat little box where I can just say, you know, and I, there's just a lot of layers. Yeah. It's a lot I think of that's layers. What, yeah. Okay. And I guess maybe that's true for everybody's regret. Yeah. Know, Especially if there's the heart involved, it's not usually concrete. Okay. Last question before we move on to step two, other than guilt, 
is there any other underlying emotions that that you would like kind of label as coming up? Mm. I mean, that's, that's like that, the whole soup of shame, regret, guilt. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, you know, anytime that I think there's sex involved, there's some sort of like embarrassment. You know, I noticed that with my, my mindset coaching students, when we did this exercise, there was just another layer of, you know, just not really wanting to talk about it, Yeah. you know? And, and I think the, 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 what am I trying to say? The, the driven part of me that was willing to overlook things, uh, you know, I think drive is like a strength, strength and a weakness, right. Where I'm looking back and I'm like, I protected him. I was complicit. I normalized this behavior. And I, I, I in a lot of ways, I kind of shrugged, shrugged it off. This wasn't really the, the question you're answering or asking, but all of those things kind of go into like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last one. I led when you are feeling this, like the low hum of it, where do you physically notice it? Oh, that's a good question. Probably my throat and upper chest. Yeah. Okay. You know, like again, when we started talking about talking about it, I I start feeling even now like that little, like little feeling, but that's probably more when I'm talking about it now that I mention it. And uh, Mm. that's probably more when I, I think when I think about it, it's a physical sort of like, like a, like almost like a physical, like pullback or like, I feel heavy, I guess is maybe Mm -hmm. one way of thinking of it. And then I feel confused Mm -hmm. because I want it to be meat. I want to be like, he is like the worst person in the world. And like, that wasn't my fault. I was 17 and like, what in the actual, you know, and it, it doesn't feel that way to me. It feels like layers of processing and, and looking at myself and saying, you might have been a terrible person in that situation, you know, and that's okay. Maybe, I don't know, but it's like the, the layers of it, I think are what, excuse me, are what's really hard. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Okay. Again, I'm not, I'm not always answering your question, but no, I think that's great. I think that's always helpful for me to like, just anchor to where, you know, how I notice it physically first. Yeah. Okay. So thank you for sharing. That was step one, kind of self-disclosure, relive and relieve. Mm-hmm. And I honor what you shared. Yeah. The second step is self bringing some self-compassion to this and attempting to kind of normalize and also neutralize. One of the things I've learned is if our brain likes to catastrophize. So if it's possible that the worst case can happen, can also be helpful to look at, all right, well, it's also possible then that this could happen. Mm -hmm. As you're thinking about it, what would be one way that you could forgive yourself for how you responded to this in the past? I think I attempt to do this a lot. And I talk to my best friend a lot about it a lot. And and she is like, tried to put it in my head that, you know, I was really young and there was definitely a power dynamic. And and I think more than anything, one of the things that she tells me is I'm not responsible for what a 40 plus year old man does, mm-hmm. right? Even at any age, you know, and that was, that was him. So I think intellectually, I, I really understand this step too. I think emotionally, it's still hard for me to be perfectly honest, to find that self-compassion, but I'm working on it. And I think to some degree, and I, you know, I don't know if this is sort of a false self-compassion, but I, 
there were also places within that situation where I did have a hard line of things that I was, I was willing to do or not do. Or I, I think there was a part of me that really listened to what I was comfortable with both sexually and, and otherwise at that age. And I, I guess I am a little bit proud of myself for that. Mm-hmm. I think the flip side of that is that I, I did that for myself, but not necessarily, I didn't really like think holistically about other people. Yeah. So there's a little bit of, of that. So I, I did feel like I sort of held a line and that's where I, I did. I think for me, I, and again, I don't know if this is an illusion. I don't know if this is what I'm telling myself <laughs> that I feel like I did hold my power in that sense. So I guess I'm, I'm, we're talking about self-compassion. I guess in some ways I'm kind of proud of myself for that, but the, the compassion I think comes from, and also the compassion of like, really, what was I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Was I supposed to blow it all up? You know, is that what's expected of someone that's driven? And this was the situation that was getting me to the next level. And I, I probably, and and I think now that I know how the brain works, you know, there's the brainwashing component of like things got weird slowly, yeah. <laughs> right? And yeah. then also you can justify things in your mind, yeah. you know, and that is, a, and that is a real, that is a real thing. Yeah. Like in that moment, if someone had told me these people are being hurt, it's either you or your goals. Would I have chosen them? I like to think that I did, but I didn't even think other people were, I didn't even let myself believe that other people were being hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I understand and that, that was my brain protecting yeah. me from blowing it all up. Yeah. And there was also good stuff there. And so I think that's, again, I, I sometimes I think of it as like a moral thing of like, I was choosing the good stuff for myself mm-hmm. and I feel bad about that. But then also I think of like, it's okay to have also focused on the good stuff in that moment. That's a really natural thing. It was a very appealing situation for me. Yeah. You know, I was going to go play at the next level. I was the star of the team. He put me on a pedestal. So he knew exactly what he was doing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They often do. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was this situation where, and I think part of me feels guilty for looking back and saying, would I have done anything differently? Part of me feels guilty for that. And part of me is also very self-compassionate because it's like, how can you expect someone to blow it all up when they're in a good situation? Mm-hmm. How can I actually have expected myself to do that? Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard. You know, Especially like at a young age. Yeah. Yeah. Is that even a, a, a reasonable? Yes. I mean, I think the ideal, you know, but is that a reasonable expectation? Yeah. When someone else, and also when someone else has so much power. Yeah. So I, one of the things working through emotions, I think that can be helpful is like we, like the reason we call friends is to, you know, help keep perspective and give us love or whatever we're needing. So for you, when this comes up, what would be one thing that you could tell yourself to help I think of thoughts as like constricting or expanding. And so mm-hmm. like, if I'm anxious, I can yeah. sometimes say like, I love you, which sounds silly, but in, in certain moments, it's actually really powerful that we can offer ourselves that in the same way I would offer you mm-hmm. like Lindsay, it's an and not a, but, and mm-hmm. yeah, maybe, maybe you do this differently, but like, I love you. Mm-hmm. I got you. And yeah. it's like, 
So what would be like a thought if this comes up again, you could anchor to? That's a really good question. I, 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 I think as we're kind of talking through this, I think a lot of the core of it is my, it kind of comes down to like being a good person, mm-hmm. you know, like, are you a selfish person that puts your goals above other people? And I think I have, mm-hmm. I think a lot of German people have, mm-hmm. and I never wanted to hurt anybody in this situation or anything else. I think there was a time in my life where I felt like this is kind of going off on a tangent, but I think that there was a time in my life when I felt like I was letting people hold me back. And then I decided to not ever let that happen again. And I think maybe this situation sort of preyed upon that in some ways where I finally found a place where I could just be driven and like go for it. And I didn't have to give an F about what other people needed or wanted. And that was my path forward. And I think I put blinders on and I just went for it. And I think forgiving myself for that situation, but I think that's always a part of me. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think there's a part of me that believes sometimes you have to just not give a crap. Yeah. And maybe that's true. I don't know. Or maybe that's just a defense mechanism, or maybe that's just not being able to handle when to listen to people and when not to, and when to be, you know, and to just to like this, this knee jerk reaction of like, nobody's holding me back. Yeah. So don't care too much about other people because you need to just go do what's best for you. I think there's a part of me that's like that. Mm -hmm. And so looking back again, I'm not really answering your question. It's a hard question. Yeah. I think maybe it's something along the lines of like honoring myself for like strengths and weaknesses Mm -hmm. that, that they can be, like you said, it's like the, and, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like my drive can be a beautiful thing and it can be something that I need to watch. Maybe. I love that. So you know? it could be, yeah, I do know. <laughs> and I think it could be as simple as like a, when it comes up, like I honor it all. Yeah. Which feels really cool because it's also like, then you get to choose which camp you're in Yeah, because it's not always one thing. That's a really empowering. So, so yeah, I don't know. Last question on this step two, you've kind of already answered it, but just for the process. Yeah. What, what is one thing, because when I'm hearing you, it seems so clear to me that you've actually organized your life to help people now, now, or maybe that was all part of it the whole time, but you are. Yeah. And so my question is how might have this helped you? How might've not what happened, but how you've moved through it and all the emotion that's come up for you, which is really real. Yeah. How could this have helped you today? Well, there's the practical application of so much of what I learned in that situation was mindset, Mm -hmm. you know, like that was part of, that's part of what I didn't want to let go of. Right. Is like, this was the place where I learned to have confidence. This was the team where I learned to, to step up. And this was the place that I learned visualization and like all the stuff that I teach, this is not, I, I learned it other places too, but this was the main place that I learned it. So there's that application. I think, let's see. I don't know if this is step three, but I think like I have a much better awareness of how 
situations or people or culture can kind of pull us along, you know, where Mm -hmm. things get gradually different. And maybe I like to think, I don't know if this is true. I like to think that I am, I try to be aware of when things are going off track. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if I actually am, or if that's just what I want to be, you know? For sure. So you're more aware and also more compassionate for other people that have had their norms shifted because you understand how easy that can be sometimes. Yeah. And I also, I see how like ambition can pull you to a different place that you didn't intend in the beginning and how things can get weird so slowly you don't even notice. So I have tremendous compassion for how that can happen. And like the power of a group, the good and the bad, right? Like, yeah keeping a law. And that's where, again, where I go back to that self-compassion of like, is it even realistic for me to, like, I think about people leaving, like, I don't know, like a fundamentalist church or a cult or any situation where that, or even a whistleblower where I'm, they're like raising their hand and be like, this is bullshit. Mm -hmm. Like I have felt the power of not wanting to lose things, not wanting to blow it up really powerful yeah yeah and yeah cool so your question but yeah no i think it does we've intertwined a lot of these Mm -hmm. but i do think the last step in self-distancing so like analyzing and strategy strategizing i think the challenge of this when we're coaching others is that we like to go to this first without letting the the emotion of it bubble up Mm -hmm. reliving it asking questions, being curious about it, which is so important. I think when we look at like moving through any difficult things, most people just want to be seen and heard Mm. and helped. Yeah. And felt, and then it's like, okay, now we can move on. So you crushed that. I'm going to ask you some questions that are kind of redundant, but we'll go through it just for the sake of the exercises. Okay. So self-distancing about analyzing and strategizing. Yeah. How can you go for, how can you grow from this experience? Well, I think a lot of it come, when I think about that, I think about my, like you said, my clients and my students and like, it creates a sense of, I think, deeper empathy and compassion for other people. And as confusing as it has been to say, this person is not all evil. There was an evil part of him, a a very bad part that hurt people. And there was also good. And that is like, a very hard concept to keep in your mind. I think, I think it's very, we're, we're not taught that, you know, that, that, that two, a good and a bad and everything in between can exist in the same person in the same mm-hmm. situation Amen. and being okay with that. And like allowing that to settle, like it's okay for that to be true. Yes. And I think that leaves space for my students. Hopefully to be all of those things, not, not necessarily evil or, or, or good, but just all these were human beings and situations are not black and white. I think that's where it gives me, I think hopefully gives me a little bit more depth as a human, a little more depth as a student, a little more depth Mm -hmm. as a coach that there's a lot of nuance for better better or worse. Yeah. But what a beautiful thing to anchor to. I mean, it's amazing for your kids, for everyone. And there's bad, so, and good, good things can exist right next to bad things. Yeah. And that's what sometimes is very hard about mm-hmm. those situations. 
-hmm. and good things can come out of bad situations. And that's part of it. There's there's so much gray area. So much. Yeah. So you kind of answered how you're going to grow and also how you will help bring others along or help, help other people because you want to do this. So then how might this shape how you make decisions in the future? Well, I, how do I make decisions in the future? I think, or how would this change how you make decisions? Yeah. Well, you know what? I think the biggest thing is, you know, I have four daughters. So like for me, I look at that and I'm like, my radar is up to any kind of BS. And I might go to the extreme, right? Like I have to, I'm going to have to watch that too. They're you? Gonna You're going to go to the extreme? No <laughs> way. Gonna, I, I can't be the helicopter parent. They're going to have to make mistakes too. But I definitely think of, of that. And the power of sports, the power of team, the power of culture is like infinity. I believe in that wholeheartedly. And I want that for my girls. I want that for every female. I want that for everybody. But that has to be watched. That has to be relegated. And I think making sure that you don't let things slide based on ambition. I definitely was raised in like the coach is always right kind of thing. And I want my daughters to believe in authority and follow directions and pay attention to a coach or a teacher in in a very healthy way, but also listen to themselves if something's wrong or something's off. And 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 listen to myself too. Again, that power of the group and the power of ambition, I think, is really intoxicating for everybody. And you know, the river can be moving in one direction. And it's really hard to pull yourself out of the shore and say, I don't like where this is going when everybody else is going down the river. And I think I'm maybe a little bit more aware of, again, how little things can build up into all of a sudden you're in this freaking weird situation not more than weird and completely inappropriate. And in fact, actually illegal. <laughs> yeah. And like, you don't even know how you got there. Yeah. I've seen that firsthand. I've experienced that. Yeah. So I think I'll be paying attention. To yeah, that. absolutely. Okay. And then lastly, you've also answered this, but just to wrap it up, like what would be one or two things that you're grateful for about this experience? Oh, I think any opportunity, you don't wish bad things to happen, of course. But when you look back and these opportunities are, are situations, or I should say these situations are opportunities for you to grow as a human and to look at the places that are sort of in the corner that you want to hide and that maybe you don't even like about yourself. Like the only times we really get to those places is in these kind of shitty situations. And so this is that place for me. And I think the opportunity to grow and, you know, the fact that I hit it for so long and now I'm talking about it. I think when you have those situations and you bring them to the forefront and you talk about them and you share them with other people, there is an opportunity not only to grow as a person, but to help other people grow and to be the example. I mean, I can't tell you what we talked about in our mindset coach academy and our monthly coaching collective, but it was very personal things that people would not have shared. For sure, if I just said, hey, tell me something you don't want to tell other people. The only reason that they did is because I did it first. Mm-hmm. And so that's empowering for me because then it's not about me. Yeah. And that feels really good because I really don't want it to be about me. 
Yeah. I don't, you know, there's the part that you have to make it about you because you have to work on yourself. Yeah. And then there's parts like, how can we turn this shit sandwich into something better? Yeah. And so I think that is what I look to when I think about the power of regret, which is what this, this book and this process is about is like, where's their power in this? Because mm-hmm. so often we look at these things and then we think of them as this is just about our weaknesses and, yeah. but there's power in looking at our weaknesses. Yeah. And yeah, that's true. I gave this story by hiding it. I gave it so much power for so many years and I felt bad about that. And I felt bad about lying and I felt conflicted, but I also wanted to protect him. And I felt guilty if I didn't protect him because he had given me so much. And so now to sort of just like put that down, which so much of the stuff we have the potential to put down at any point. Yeah. We just decide. Yeah. It's not easy, but yeah. No, it's not easy, but yeah. but it really is just putting it down and saying, I'm gonna talk about this. Yeah. And he probably has his own, he has his own story. This is my story. Right. This is my right. experience, and this is true, and this is what happened, and whatever. And I guess that's that's why I'm doing this is so whoever's listening can think of that one little thing that's in their brain that they haven't let go of. Yeah. That they've been festering in their the back of their brain, that it's been like that low hum or that nagging thing that like. People aren't going to respect me if I tell them that I had an affair or that I was, you know, I gambled away my family's fortune or whatever it is, this terrible thing that people hold on to and don't talk about there. It creates this power Mm -hmm. that is so debilitating, even if it's not like these big events. It's just this thing that you're like, you know, you know, we're into metaphors and all our hypnosis and guided visualization carrying around this backpack. Mm -hmm of all this bullshit, this, this thing that you think it makes you a terrible person or is a weakness or is a shameful thing that people are going to look, look down on you. And it's not really about that. And it's not even really about them respecting you more either. It kind of helps to think of that way, but to some degree it's not, it's just about being able for yourself. Let it go. Yeah. And so my challenge for anybody listening, which is what we did, the mindset coaching collective is tell somebody. Hmm. And sometimes it's easier to like, I'm speaking on a podcast to thousands of people who knows it's easier to do that in some ways. I mean, it's really scary too. I'll probably have a vulnerability hangover. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'll be like, shit, do I really want to publish this? Yeah. I'm still thinking about publishing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But sometimes it's easier to tell other people like people that aren't in your like day-to-day life, you know? Totally. How do you, last question, how do you feel now compared to when we first got on? I'm not shaking. I was shaking. I didn't even tell you that. I was like a little bit like the adrenaline, you know? Oh, yeah. And I feel really good. I, I have to say, again, I think later I will be like, oh, shit. <laughs> but yeah. every time I tell it, I feel better because, mm-hmm. again, I take the power back and I think it, it, it's all true oh, or, or it's yeah. all the story I tell myself. Yeah. And there's no like one clean way of looking at it. It doesn't have to fit in some pretty little box. It's just these layers. And every time I talk about it, and thank you for the wonderful questions, because you you did help me like move through it a little bit differently. I think that's mm-hmm. the power of telling it is every time you kind of yeah. shore up these things that you haven't thought about before, you make these connections. Yeah. And so I do, I feel better. I feel like this is what why I wanted to do this episode. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, I love you and thank I'm you. grateful. Thank you for sharing and being honest. And I said it earlier, but I think the greatest joy in life is just being in it with people in all of the confusing, beautiful, wonderful, chaotic nuance. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Mm -hmm. Court. I really appreciate it. Like I said, I did not want to do this myself. I thought it was going to be, first of all, it's going to be awkward. Like, 
and I needed like guidance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It can be helpful. So I appreciate you very much and excited to have you on the podcast more regularly. Yeah, I know. Me too. I'm every time we talk, I get really energized and challenged and I just, I'm, it'll be fun. Well, I can't imagine having done this with anybody else. And I just appreciate, you know, this is so much of what we teach our mindset coaching students is like holding the space, you know, like there is something so powerful about holding space for somebody to to talk or work on themselves or to work through something or to be vulnerable. And I just appreciate that safe space that you gave me today because this really did help. Yeah. Likewise. All right, Court. We'll talk soon. All right. Okay. Thanks guys. Oh, just to refresh you guys, the three steps, just real quick, the self-disclosure, tell somebody the self-compassion and then the self-distancing, which is the analyzing and strategizing how you can grow from it. So those are the three steps. Thanks, Court. All right. Okay. Bye. Hey, if you love this episode, make sure to check out all of our free and paid resources over at positiveperformancetrain.com. You want to take mindset training to the next level? We got you. But here are three more specific ways. If you want to take mindset training and live it more in your life, definitely subscribe to this podcast. We send out bonus episodes. We have our mental Mondays. We have interviews and training episodes. Definitely subscribe. If you want to teach it, meaning taking it to your athletes or your clients, I highly recommend Psychology of Competition. Again, you can check that out at positiveperformancetraining.com. It is a great course that will teach you and your athletes how to have pre, during, and post-competition routines to up your performance. And if you want to learn how to have a mindset coaching business in order to sell mindset coaching, highly recommend signing up for our waitlist for our next certification cohort, which usually opens about once a year. But in the meantime, go to positiveperformancetraining.com and check out our ultimate mindset coaching toolkit. It will show you exactly how to get started with your first mindset coaching clients. Again, go to positiveperformancetraining.com for all of our free and paid resources.